0: You guys ready to get into a word? Hallelujah. How many of you in this place believe God has one for you today? Amen. All right, let's go ahead and get right into it. Hallelujah. Open up your Bibles to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, the fourth chapter. Jonah, chapter number four. Hallelujah. And when you find Jonah, the fourth chapter, I want you to hold that place, and then I want you to go to a very familiar portion of the scripture in Romans, chapter 12, beginning at verse number one. Jonah, chapter four. We're going to begin at verse one. And then we're going to go to Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's wonderful to praise God. But it's imperative for you to know why you praise him. David said seven times a day, I praise God for his word not just once not just on Wednesday and on Sunday seven times a day I praise God for his word it allows me to know that he must have been reading every day I'm going to leave that alone hallelujah you got to know why you praise him So, that if somebody asks you immediately after they see you praise, why does it take all that? You got to know how to answer that person. Amen. Jonah chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. You ready, church? I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, and the word of the Lord says it so. Now, this is the end of his narrative. This is the end of Jonah's book, the last chapter. I want you to see how he starts this book. This is after God moved. And there's something amazing. Listen to how he starts. But it it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And this is after God moved. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? In other words, isn't this what I told you? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew, for I knew, because you got to know, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil. In other words, he was saying, I knew you were going to do this if I went over there. And here's the reality. I didn't want you to do it. But I knew you would. Watch. Therefore, now, O Lord, take I, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. This is the man of God. This is the prophet. And he's not doing very good emotionally right now. Can you see it? Then said the Lord, Look at the question. The Lord spoke to him immediately. And look at the question the Lord asked him Doest thou well? To be angry? Are you justified in your emotions right now? Do you think it's okay to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. He had prepared a booth, but then God had prepared a large plant to cover him because his makeshift booth was not covering him from the sun. Amen. And if you ever find yourself outside of the will of God, anything you try to create to cover you will never be enough. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah. He's outside of God's will right now, and God is still covering him. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Next verse. But God prepared a worm. (laughs) But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. Next verse. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement wind. (laughs) Prepared a gourd. Prepared a worm. (laughs) Prepared a wind. If you read earlier, he prepared a fish. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And the man is still not doing well emotionally. Amen, somebody. Now come with me to Romans, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse number 1. Hallelujah, Jesus. Romans 12, beginning at verse number 1. You know this verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye... Transformed by what the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You can't think about Jonah's story without talking about the whale, and I'm going to mention the whale in a moment. Hallelujah! But let me just give you my sermon title before we pray. My sermon title is simply this go ahead and put it up there on the screen It is Whale. It's not a typo. I did it on purpose. It is well (laughs) with my soul. Because when we're talking about the soul, especially today, we're going to talk about a very important part of your life, which is your mind. And sometimes God has to send whales before we can start thinking right. God has to send us into uncomfortable places before we can have an epiphany and realize that we were thinking wrong. And then at the end of your narrative, at the end of your life, like Jonah, you could turn around and say, God prepared a fish. In other words, when I was in it, it didn't feel good. But now, looking back, in retrospect, God was behind the whole thing. And now it is well with my soul. Amen, church? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless your name. And we ask you, Lord God, to add blessing to the word. Minister to your people now in a mighty and in a powerful way. And we give you praise for it now in advance. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let me begin with Romans. When we think about Romans, those two verses, hallelujah. If I had to sum up those two verses for you very quickly, I would just say or probably make a statement like this. Um, Your living is determined by your thinking. I said, your living is determined by your thinking. The Bible puts it like this. Whatever a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. You are what you think. You are what you think. Let me give you another verse. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Watch this. I want you to prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Prospers. You prosper in life on the level of your thinking. And you cannot prosper beyond your thinking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me put it to you another way. As your mind goes, your life follows. As your mind goes, your life will follow. Are you in this place, church? God moves you to greater dimensions in his will... Head first. I said God will always move you to greater dimensions in his will head first. You talk about I want to go from faith to faith, and I want to go from glory to glory. Hallelujah. And I want, to do, I want God to do this, and I want God to do that. Let me help you understand that real quickly. That happens to you head first. This is why God says it's imperative for your mind to be renewed. Amen, somebody. It happens head first. If the prodigal son were here, he will tell you, that's how I got out. I said, if the prodigal son was here, he will tell you, that's how I got out. I was stuck because I was being governed by my flesh. But after I found myself in a tight place, come on, somebody, I had an epiphany. I came to myself. When I came to myself, watch this, he said, in my father's house, in other words, Uh, I got right in my head, and I started thinking about his house. And that's how I got out. I started thinking first. Are you in this place, church? And let me submit to you that if you ever got your thinking right, I don't care how stuck you are. God, help me in here. I said, if you ever, I don't care how trapped you are. I don't care how swallowed up you are by your situation. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care how tied up and bound you are. If you ever got your thinking right, you will come out. I said, if you ever got your thinking right, you will come out. Hallelujah. Do you believe it in this place? So watch this now. He said, I had to come, for, I had to, come to myself. In other words, th- what he's saying is, if you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. If you want to change your life, you have to change your mind. The problem with many of us is that we try to change our life by trying to change our life. (laughs) And what I'm trying to submit to you today is simply this external change is not going to cut it when the problem is on the inside. I said external change because, you know, some people, some people say, you know what? I got to try to get away from this. So I think I just need a new scenery. So I'm going to move from one place to another place. And I, I, what I need is a geographical change. And so I'm going to move from Philly and I'm going to go to Florida. Hallelujah. But let me help you in here. If the problem is in your mind, I don't care where you go. Wherever you go, you're taking that with you. I, I just, you know what I mean? I need a new spouse. I need a new... I need a new relationship. Hallelujah. Let me help you in here. If the problem is inside your mind, you could go on to another relationship. And guess what? There's going to be problems. And like I tell a lot of people often, hallelujah, if everywhere you go it stinks, you're probably carrying it. Because, you know, everywhere, it can't be bad everywhere. External change is not going to cut it. I want you to notice who the Apostle Paul is talking to here. He's talking, watch this, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church at Rome. So, so this is what you've got to understand. He's telling converts not to conform. I said he's telling converts not to conform. He's not just talking to people outside of the church. He's talking to people inside of the church. People inside of the church can conform to the patterns of this world. So he tells converts, do not conform. Oh boy, hallelujah. So what he's, he's allowing us to know is that when you get saved, watch this now, mind renewal is not automatic. When you get saved, mind renewal is not automatic. Can I put it to you the way I feel it? You could be redeemed and still not Renewed. You could be redeemed in your life and not renewed in your mind. You could be redeemed spiritually, but not renewed emotionally. I'm trying to show you a man of God who was having some problems. I'm going to get to Jonah in a little while. I lost with his emotions. Are you in this place, church? Now watch this. God is the transformer. We know that. But here's the challenge. You have to present. He's the transformer, but you have to present, and the text says your body, but when you read those two verses in context, he's really talking about transformation that happens through the mind, because he knows that where the mind goes, the body follows, so what he's saying is, if you really want to have transformation, you better present your thoughts to me. Are you blessed in this place, church? Hallelujah. I hope somebody came to have church today. Because at the end of the day, here's the reality. Redemption will get you to heaven. But mind renewal will bring heaven into the earth. Some of us are satisfied with right standing with God. Hallelujah. But you can have right standing with God and not experience right success on the earth. Oh, God, have mercy in here. In other words, this is why Paul is is addressing these people. Because you could be a good person and still have a bad life. I said you could be a good person and still have a bad life. You could be saved and sad. Y'all not going to talk back to me today. I I said you could be saved and sad. You could be devoted and depressed. (laughs) At the same time, hallelujah. And you be a child of God. This is why Paul is addressing the church in this particular text. Hallelujah. Are you in this place? And in essence, what Paul is saying, listen, it's not your, it's not your heart alone that needs some changing. It's your head. It's your head, hallelujah, that also needs some changing. Oh, boy. Hallelujah. God is the transformer, but you have to present your thoughts to God amen hallelujah Jesus so let me ask you a question how's your soul how's your soul you know oh God help me in here man is made up of spirit soul and body and just in case you didn't know hallelujah uh, your soul is the part of you that gives you self-consciousness self-consciousness your body gives you world consciousness through the senses amen But your soul gives you self-consciousness. In your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. How is your soul? Amen. Your spirit gives you God-consciousness. Amen. Before he saved you, you were tied up with your flesh and your soul. And you had no God-consciousness until he came and made you alive and quickened your spirit. Hallelujah. But that's a lesson for another day hallelujah if you want God to transform or renew your mind you have to present your mind to God you have to present your thought life to God so watch this before you can walk in a transformed mind let me show you the kind of mind you're supposed to at least present unto God are you in this place number one put it on the screen real quickly hallelujah a receptive mind. A receptive mind. Is your mind receptive? Is your mind receptive to receive? Mm-hmm. I heard someone put it like this. You will not walk through open doors with closed minds. You will not walk through open doors with closed Minds, Oh, God, hear what I just said. You will not walk through open doors with closed minds. When I challenge you and say you need to be receptive, I'm not talking about you need to be open to everything. Because if you open yourself up to everything, everything will invite itself in. I'm talking about being open to God teaching you something you did not know. Or watch this, God teaching you something different than that which you are used to. Or at least assume that you are competent in. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. <clears throat> because the reality is this, things God can't teach you anything if you know everything. I said, God can't teach you anything if you know everything. There are some people who think they know everything. And God has a hard time ministering to people who are like that because they won't allow God to retrain them to retrain them, to teach them something, hallelujah, that they did not know. A lot of us think we know how we're supposed to do a thing, but God is never limited to doing the same thing twice, the same way. And so oftentimes, you have to know the season that you're in and have ears that are attentive to hear from God, to know what to do in a particular season. Because in one season, he might tell you to talk to the rock. But in the next season of your life, he might tell you to hit the rock. So you can't put it, God in a box, hallelujah, and say it's like this because it was like that in one season. It might not be like that in the next season of your life. And so you got to be hearing from God all the time. Amen, somebody. Amen. And so you have to be also humble enough to let God reteach you, even in the areas you think you're competent in. It's like when, it's like when um, Jesus comes up to Peter. Watch this. After Peter had done fish all night. And now he's at the place where he's washing his nets. You know this story, right? He's washing his nets, and, and Jesus says, go back in the boat, get in there, go out for a catch, and lay down your nets. Now, Peter could have easily said, okay, Jesus, this is not your area. This is my area. I am an expert fisherman. I've been fishing for years. Fishing is what I do. I am competent in this. We've been fishing all night. You fish at night, not in the day. There are no fish out there during the day, Jesus. So he could have easily said, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're telling me to do something different, and I'm not going to do it. But that's not what Peter did. Amen? Peter said, nevertheless, at thy word, I'm going to lay down the net. Now, I can get into this story. I don't want to get into it, hallelujah, because Jesus says nets, and he laid down a net. So, so I, can, I can really preach on how he obeyed, but not necessarily fully. But I will say this, hallelujah, at least... <laughs> He did lay down a net. Amen, somebody. You have to be able to let Jesus tell you what to do, even if it's different than what you think you know you're supposed to do. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. On another occasion after fishing all night, Jesus comes dressed in disguise and says, hey, if you caught anything, they said no. He said, okay, cast your nets on the other, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter could have easily said, listen, we don't cast these nets on this side all night and did circles. It doesn't matter what side we cast it on. The net's been in the water. (laughs) I mean, where are the fish then? But you know, Jesus is so powerful. He could have just had them hovering under the boat the whole time. (laughs) Amen, somebody, because Jesus speaks fish. See, I ain't saying nothing in here. I said Jesus speaks fish. He talked whale, Hallelujah! Come on, you didn't only see that in Finding Nemo. Jesus talks whale. It's the only reason a whale can come show up for Jonah. We're gonna hear about it in a minute. But if you ever read Hallelujah, how uh, how Jesus, how how the Lord got um, the people of Israel out of Egypt, you know He speaks. Oh, He speaks flies. He speaks frog. Come on, somebody, Hallelujah. Locust. He can speak through a donkey. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. (laughs) So are you willing to let Jesus retrain you? You, It takes a certain kind of person. Watch this. You have a man named Nicodemus that shows up to Jesus at night. He's a religious leader. He doesn't want the other religious leaders to see him during the day. So he comes to Jesus at night. I call him Nick at night. He He comes to Jesus at night. So Nick comes to Jesus at night. And Jesus tells him, you have to be born again. You have to be born again. Now, that's tough because what he's really saying to him is, when you were born the first time, you knew that you had to watch this. Learn how to walk. Learn how to talk. Come on, somebody. Learn how to listen. Learn how to eat. Learn how to balance yourself and move. And so when I say you need to be born again, what I am saying is you ne- now you need to let me retrain you and reteach you how you're supposed to walk. How you're supposed to talk. Come on, somebody. How you supposed to listen. What you're supposed to eat. Uh-oh. How you're supposed to move. Are you willing to let me do that? That's the crux of it right there. Amen. Some doors stay closed because our mind is not open. Not realizing that God sometimes uses, uses messy methods to bring about meaningful miracles. Messy methods to bring about meaningful miracles. How many of you are familiar with the story at the Pool of Shalom? Story at the Pool of Shalom, hallelujah. You have a guy who Jesus, watch this. He's blind. Jesus is getting ready to heal this man. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes dirt from the ground and spits it in his hands and then tells the guy, come here. Let me put this on your eyes. How many of you would be willing to do that? You're not saying nothing. Hallelujah. You're not saying that. That's a good point. My, my, my sister said, I'm blind, so it don't matter. I ain't see what he's doing. Listen. listen listen here's the point of it here's the point of it he stays blind he stays blind if he doesn't agree with jesus's method on how he's going to heal him if he determines that's not how you do it nothing gets done so you got to be willing to let jesus come on somebody Do something different so that you can receive that which you need. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? Ooh. Somebody would have been like, oh, no, you ain't putting that on my face. Mm Mm-mm. You would have been left not seeing just because you didn't like the method. Wow. Number two. I got to move. Number two. Reputable mind. Reputable. Reputable. Reputable, meaning true, meaning, let me ask ask you like this. Is your mind sincere? Is your mind sincere? Is it it straightforward? Is it true? God help me in this place, hallelujah. Uh, Can you be honest about where you are? Because the reality is you can't get to where you need to go If you are not first honest with where you are, can you be sincere about where you are right now in your life? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. You know what the Bible says. If it's the truth that sets you free, if the truth sets you free, then that means that lies and deception will keep you in bondage. So you all, every time you read the Bible, you always got to look at the inference. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Lies and deception will keep you in bondage. So is your mind sincere? Is your mind true? Come on, somebody. Real faith, oh boy, I'm going to mess somebody up. Real faith does not deny reality. Reality. I said real faith does not deny reality. You have missed it if you think that faith is about ignoring reality or, 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 or assuming that reality is not there. Let me put it to you another way. When, when David sees Goliath the giant, he doesn't say he's not a giant. He doesn't say, that's not a giant. He's a midget in Jesus' name. <laughs> he's not big. He's small. He doesn't say, I know he looks like he's there, but he's not there. In the name of Jesus, he's not there. He does not deny reality. Real faith keeps moving forward in spite of reality. Real faith keeps believing in spite of reality. Real faith, like the one that David had, said, I just believe that my God is bigger than that giant. He's bigger. Are you blessed in here, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. You think about, there's so many stories in the Bible, hallelujah. You think about um, blind Bartimaeus. You think about blind Bartimaeus' story. I love his story because he hears that Jesus is coming. Again, he's blind. I'm trying to deal with people that were blind. He's blind, and he heard that Jesus was coming. When he hears that Jesus is coming, he begins to shout. Amen? And he begins to shout really loud, and he starts calling on the Lord. Amen? Now, the thing that I love about Blond Bartimaeus is that he's not just shouting to shout. Amen? And one of the things that I really love about him is what he does not do. He doesn't have a pity party in the presence of the Lord. I said he doesn't have a pity party in the presence of the Lord. When he finds out that Jesus is coming, he's not saying, why, Jesus, why? why am I like this? Why am I in this situation? Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? You could sit there and look at me like I'm funny, hallelujah. But many of us at one time or another have prayed like that in our own lives. He does not have a pity party in the presence of God. If anything, uh, rather than offering a pity party, what he offers is a praise. No, he's just shouting. No, he's not just shouting. It's what he shouts that you have to catch. Because he says, Jesus, thou son of David. And so you, got to, you have to understand what he's saying when he says, thou son of David. What he's basically saying is, I know who you are, and I know what you can do. If you are the son of David, then you are that person the Bible talked about or has been talking about that's coming. You are that Messiah. I recognize who you are, and if you are the Messiah, that means you're coming with healing in your wings. I know who you are, and I know what you can do. And so he offers up a praise. Hallelujah. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Don't ever give God pity in his presence. Give him praise. Because there is a praise that will make God stop. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The disciple, God, I said there's a praise that will make him stop. The Bible says that he was walking. He was moving. But his praise made Jesus stop. Made a moving God. Hit the brakes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Another thing I like about him, hallelujah, is simply this. Watch this. He he wasn't sitting there complaining about what he didn't have. He just used what he did have. So watch this. He didn't have sight, hallelujah, but he had ears and he had a mouth. And so he heard Jesus was coming and then opened up his mouth. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they told him to be quiet and he got louder. And then they told him to be quiet, and he got louder. Because he wasn't screaming for them. See, that's why I have no problem with how you look at me while I'm praising God. I really do not, because I ain't calling you. I ain't screaming for you. I'm screaming for the one who can set me free. I'm screaming for the one who can heal me. Deliver me. Give me a miracle. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I ain't, I ain't screaming. You look at me. Turn up. Whatever you want to do, hallelujah. But I'm still going to praise him. And that's why I love this man, hallelujah, because when they told him to be quiet, he just raised it. And sometimes we, if you get a funny look in church, just raise it. I said just raise it, hallelujah, because Jesus likes it loud, hallelujah. Jesus didn't have a problem with the way he was praising. As a matter of fact, when Jesus heard it, the Bible says he stopped. And sometimes, hallelujah, you don't, listen, you might not know, hallelujah, the kind of situation I find myself in and and what I need for my life. And I can't be sitting there trying to determine, hallelujah, how you going to feel if I start praising him and you next to me, hallelujah. Because if he keeps walking today and I don't get my miracle, I'm going to stay blind, hallelujah. Well, I'm going to make him stop. If I got to climb a tree like Zacchaeus and shake the branches and look like a fool, hallelujah, I'm going to get his attention. I'm going to get his attention. Are you in this place, church? Ooh. Sometimes we focus on what we don't have, hallelujah. Not realizing that what you have is enough. And I want to I submit to you, hallelujah, he didn't have no money. That's why they call him the beggar. And he didn't have no sight. But he had a Praise. And his praise was enough. And so sometimes what you need to realize is if all you got is a praise. A praise can be enough. Amen, church. Hallelujah. Another thing I like about this text that it ministered to me, hallelujah, this time is simply this. Your progress often is determined by who you don't listen to. I said, your progress often is determined by who you don't listen to. If he would have listened to the disciples, he'd have stayed blind. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm blessed, hallelujah, often by who I do not listen to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't listen to everybody. That's why God told Adam in the beginning, who told you? Who told you you were naked? You remember that part of the story? Hallelujah. You are not where I left you. You are somewhere outside of my will because you listened to somebody else. Some people you listen to, they will move you away from God. And so... If you want to continue to progress, you have to understand that there are some voices you cannot listen to. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Jesus hits the brakes, causes this man to come and stand. Isn't that amazing? The very ones that told him to be quiet are the ones that Jesus tells, go get him. They didn't like the way you were praising. And now they're ushering you to the presence of God. Because that's what a real praise will do. It'll, it'll bring you right smack to the presence of God. And so there he is in the presence of God. And Jesus said, What can I do for you? And what I love about him, this is what I meant by reputable, is his sincerity. He simply just says, I wanna see. I wanna see. I like his honesty because he doesn't stand in the presence of God and try to impress him. Because that's how people do, they get in the presence of greatness. Or people of great spirituality, and they feel like they have to prove to that person how spiritual they are. And, and, and let me, can I help you in here? It's hard to fake having vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're better off being sincere. Amen? Because God is not going to address what you are not willing to expose I said, God is not going to address what you are not willing to expose. Are you blessed in here, church? Man, that clock is moving. Let me give you the, let me give you the third one real quick. Hallelujah, I got to move. Let me give you the third one. And the third one is a reliant mind. A mind that relies on him. Reliant. Amen. It is the kind of mind that is always Hopeful. Amen? I read a definition on on hopelessness, and this is what it said. Hopelessness is when you prematurely anticipate that God is not going to fulfill his promises. Hopelessness is when you prematurely anticipate that God is not going to do what he said he's going to do. And that happens to us. It happens to the best of us. And sometimes we just decide, well, maybe I should go another route. Because this is not going to happen. Ain't nobody saying nothing to me. Hallelujah. Because watch this, we believe that because it hasn't happened yet, that he is not going to do it. So usually that hopelessness, watch this, is the consequence of a wrong assessment. Hopelessness is the consequences of you assuming That just because he hasn't completed it, he's not going to complete it. Or just because he didn't do it when you thought he should have did it. Or the way you thought he should have did it. That he's not going to do it. But let me throw something, and I pray that you catch this in your mind. You serve a God who is a finisher. See, that's all I need right there. God, help me in here. You serve a God who is a finisher. You serve a God, hallelujah, that didn't let nothing stop him from his purpose until he got up on that cross and said, It is finished, because your God is a finisher. And another thing you need to catch is what his word says, hallelujah. He who has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. In other words, he's saying, whatever I started in your life, I will finish, Oh my God, if you could just receive that, hallelujah, I don't care where you are, hallelujah. In the beginning, in the middle, or close to the end, if I started it, I will. It's who I am. It's my nature. It's part of my character. I am a finisher. I know how to finish. He is the epitome of leadership. You want somebody to follow, you follow Jesus, hallelujah, because he always finishes whatever he starts, hallelujah. You're not a good leader, hallelujah, if you can't finish what you start. Are you blessed in here? So watch this if you can just develop a receptive reputable and reliant mind God can really renew it. So here's the question what does a renewed mind look like? This is Wednesday let's study a little bit. What does a remind, listen what does a renewed mind look like? Very simple hallelujah it looks like the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Oh, God, have mercy in this place. That is, put Romans 8 and 6 on the screen. Romans 8 and 6. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 6. You guys doing okay? Hallelujah. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Uh, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, watch this, is life and peace. If my, watch this, if my life is being governed by God's spirit and not my flesh, the result of that is going to be life and peace. Oh, God, help me in here. If what's controlling and governing my mind at the moment is the spirit of God, the result of that is always going to be life and peace. Joy Success, come on somebody, hallelujah. Fulfillment, satisfaction. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? But if your mind, hallelujah, is being governed by the flesh at a moment, hallelujah, the end result of that is going, if you read the rest of the, the next verse, is destruction and death. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ooh. So oftentimes the course and the quality of your life are going to be determined by what is governing your mind. By what is governing your mind. We all have a mind. But how life goes depends on what it is that's governing your mind. What is in control at that moment? Hallelujah. Mm. Can I say the way I feel it? You could be in here, redeemed, on your way to heaven, and miserable the whole way there. Because your mind has not been renewed. We're not even talking about you being saved. You could be saved, and your mind not be renewed. And you are heaven-bound, but miserable. Nobody going to say amen, but I know I know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feelings are good and proper, but they should never be in control. I said feelings are good and proper, but they should not be in control. They are good indicators. They should never be dictators. Matter of fact, I'll put it another way. Feelings are great servants, but horrible bosses. Somebody caught it. Listen, they're great servants, but horrible bosses. Feelings. Oh, boy. Hallelujah. You have to live with them, but you can't let them govern. I said you have to, let, you have to live with them, but you cannot let them govern. They are not in charge their servants that's deeper than it sounds saints hallelujah are you blessed in here because if i had some real people in here you could admit hallelujah that some of the worst choices you've ever made don't sit here and act like you never made a bad choice hallelujah leave me up here all by myself some of the worst decisions and choices you have ever made you made those choices hallelujah when you were being governed by your feelings Come on, somebody. I need somebody to testify. I need somebody to at least point back at me and say, yeah, you're right. you telling the truth. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Oftentimes, hallelujah, it's because we're being governed by our feelings that we either let something go too fast or let it linger too long. Even when we're talking about relationships. Oh, God. And he, the thing that I'm really trying to get at in this place tonight is simply this, Saints. This destructive stuff that I'm talking about can happen to believers. This is why I brought up what the Apostle Paul's talking about in Romans 12. He's talking to the church. He said, Your mind, you saved, but your mind still needs to be renewed. Oh, my God. And because I'm running out of time, I need I need seven, I got seven minutes left, hallelujah, to talk about Jonah. Jonah is the perfect example of everything I just talked about. He is the perfect example, hallelujah. You know the story, I'm gonna go real quickly, hallelujah, for the sake of time. God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, go to this place called Nineveh, preach the word over there, hallelujah, to these particular people. And he does not want to. He determines, I do not want to do that. He has some personal vendetta with these people. You're going to find, about, find out about it in a moment. Hallelujah. He does not feel like they deserve God's grace. And so he determines, you know what? I ain't going. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. And if you know the story like I do, he flees to a place called Tarshish. Before he gets to Tarshish, the Bible says that he leaves where he is at. And if you read it, I don't have time to go to it, but if you read it carefully in chapter 1, it says, And, and Jonah went down from there. To a place called Joppa. Notice, notice the wording, and Jonah went down from there to a place called Joppa. Because whenever you are going, whenever you are being governed by your flesh, whatever direction you take is always gonna lead you down. I said, whenever you are governed by your flesh, now he's making up his own mind not to do what God told him to do. But whenever you are governed by your flesh, hallelujah, a good indicator is that whatever direction you decide to go, you are going to end up downward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Another thing you'll find out about the text is that when he gets to Joppa, all of a sudden he has to pay a fare. He has to pay a fare to take a ship in in order to continue to go in the wrong direction. Because when you make the, this is, oh God, when you make the decision that you're going to continue to do the wrong thing, hallelujah, you're going to pay. They ain't like that right there, hallelujah. In other words, when you decide that I'm going to go in the wrong direction, there is going to be a fare that you have to pay. In other words, hallelujah, you continuing to go in the wrong direction is going to cost you. You see, if he would have decided to go in the direction that God said... God would have picked up the tab. Because if you're in purpose, God will take care of the purchase. Are you in this place, church? If it's his will, it's his bill. If it's his choice, it's his invoice. Come on, I'll find a way to say it. Hallelujah. He goes in the wrong direction, and you know what happens. Here's, look, look at the grace of God. First thing God does is to send a wind. You read, the, you read the narrative very carefully. He sends a wind first. He sends a wind to warn him. Sometimes the wind comes to warn you. Amen? But if you don't heed the wind, the wind becomes a storm. I said the wind becomes a storm. And watch this. I often, you often hear me say that storms come to test foundations. Yeah, that's why when you hear the, the parable of, uh, of, of the wise man and the foolish man who built their houses on, on rock and sand, hallelujah, one ends up standing. That's the one that's on, built on the rock, right? After the storm comes, the thing about the text that you have to understand is that the storm hits both houses. I don't care how strong your foundation is. The storm's coming to test it. But watch this. On several occasions, the storm comes, hallelujah, as, as a sign... That you are headed in the wrong direction. And that you need to make a U-turn. That you need to make a U-turn. Jonah, you're going the wrong way. You need to make a U-turn. But Jonah doesn't turn. Oh, God have mercy in here. Now, the next thing the text says... God, I got to move. The next thing the text says is that the people... Watch this. Because of the storm, they get nervous, and they start throwing their cargo off of the boat. Now, here's what you need to catch about that because it's deeper than you think. Their cargo represents their valuables. Their cargo represents their valuables. And they're throwing them off the boat, watch this, to keep Jonah on. (laughs) Don't throw... Your values away to keep wrong people on your boat. Did you hear what I just said? Hallelujah. I think it's one of my points. Can you put it up there? It's way out there somewhere. Hallelujah. I don't know if you guys are following me back there. I'm just going. Don't throw your values away to keep wrong people in your ship. Listen, they're throwing cargo away. They're throwing their valuables away to keep a wrong person on their boat. Oh, God, have mercy in here. Are you in this place? And the challenge of the Lord is you're not supposed to do that. Mm. Are you blessed in here, church? Church? Whenever you have to throw your values overboard to keep someone on, that's an indication that that is a wrong person that you don't need to keep in your ship. The problem with it is that Jonah is asleep. Jonah is asleep. So here's what you need to catch. He's oblivious. He's oblivious to the whole thing. And because he's oblivious to it, other people now. Other people now got to work real hard to clean up a mess that somebody else made. And because you're asleep and oblivious, you can't even assist or help to clean up something you broke. So watch this. They finally realized that the storm was divine. Because not all storms are from the devil. Let me help somebody in here. Hallelujah. They finally realized that the storm was divine. It was divine. God sent it. (gasps) Yes. But God has purpose. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hmm. Watch this. They found out that it was divine. And, And Jonah, he's not being sincere. He's not even fessing up. He really isn't. The storm is going crazy. These people find out that it's divine. They start calling on their gods. How many of you know the story? They all start calling on their gods, and then they find Jonah hiding, sleeping, and they say, yo, man, you need to call on your God. You need to call on your God. But here's the problem. When you are being governed by your flesh, and you are purposely continuing to walk in the wrong direction, hallelujah, it's real hard to pray. Jonah ain't going to pray. God help me in here, hallelujah. He's not praying. So what, you know what they do? They cast lots. They cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. And then he goes, okay, it's me. (laughs) I mean, really? The lot fell on you, man. Now you're going to confess? Okay, it's me, it's me. And these people, these people were pretty, I I got, yes. I had to say these people, hallelujah, were nice. Because what they try to do after they know it's because of Jonah is they try to row him to the shore. But they can't row him to the shore. And the reason they can't row him to the shore is because God has prepared a fish. I I can't, oh my God, have mercy. The reason they cannot row him to the shore is because God has prepared a fish. Now, here's the thing that really gets me about the story. I need somebody to help me out right now. Hallelujah. Because, watch this, Jonah realizes that it ain't going to happen. So he says, hey, you guys need to throw me off the ship. But here's my thing. If Jonah is a grown man, if Jonah, if, if I'm a grown man, and I know it's because of me, and what needs to happen is that I need to be off the ship, why do I need another grown man to throw me off? Why don't I just... Anybody... <laughs> You know what's supposed to happen why are you even wasting time explaining it why you need another grown man to throw a grown man off of the boat just jump off of the boat but people who are always being governed by their flesh always expect somebody else to do for them what they cannot do for themselves are you in this place church Oh, God. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here? And they can't get him to the shore because God has made provision. Here's the thing that blesses me about the story. God makes provision for Jonah. Because God knows what Jonah's going to do. Before he does it, let me put it to you another way. God made provision for Jonah because He knew Jonah was going to make the wrong decision. Let me take it a step further. God made provision for Jonah even before Jonah knew. (laughs) Even before Jonah knew he was going to make a wrong decision. And if you if you even remotely catch what I just said, you I don't want to praise God. Because you serve the God that has seen you, listen, come out of things you haven't even gotten into yet. Amen. He's so sovereign that he makes provision for this man because he knows he's going to make the wrong decision. And even before the man knows he's about to make a wrong decision, God already has a fish prepared. E-D. Because you serve a God who is prepared. I said, you serve a God who is prepared, part of his nature. Hallelujah. He is prepared. He's always prepared. Nothing takes me by surprise. Hallelujah. I'm a prepared God. I'm prepared. Oh, God. Hallelujah. And so watch this. I got to close. But listen, he finally gets off the boat, and isn't it ironic? He falls in the water, and there he is. He falls in the water, and there he is, just at the right time, the vehicle God's going to use to get him back on track. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes you have to be careful, even as a a woman or a man of God, not to get offended at the vehicle God decides to use to get you back on track. Because I don't know if you were waiting for a Norwegian... a carnival come on somebody a royal caribbean but god sent a whale and god has vehicles that are uncommon that he will use to get you back on track amen and you just need to be careful hallelujah how you react to the vehicle god's using because remember the whole thing he he sent that vehicle despite your disobedience When you were on that boat, that boat was going down. That was the weight or the heaviness of disobedience. It's not affecting just you. You're asleep. Sometimes it's because you're asleep that you don't see how your bad decisions are affecting other people. I better quit. Hallelujah. Are you hearing why? He's asleep, oblivious. To how his decisions are affecting other people. They're going down because of him. Hallelujah. And just at the right time. God sends a fish. And he is swallowed. I'm finishing guys. I'm finished. He swallows him. Now, I don't know if you know. But if you don't, hallelujah. Go do some research. You know, Google it if you have to. But... Whales have teeth. That's not a revelation, right? Nobody went, ooh. But whales have teeth. And watch this, they have strong, watch this out, strong digestive enzymes, a strong ability to tear up food on the inside. In other words, it's not supposed to sit there. The digestive system of a whale goes to work. Are you in this place? And I'm just wondering if anybody else, like me, is, can I just say it like I feel it, tripping because he swallowed but not chewed. And then he's sitting in the belly of a fish for three days underwater. Now, I don't care how long you can hold your breath. I really don't. You're not holding it for three days. I don't know what God did. The Bible doesn't tell us. All it says is that he prepared them. God prepared a fish. (laughs) Are you in this place? Here's the reality. In the position that he was in, he should have been in pieces by now. And there's somebody in here under the sound of my voice that because of what you've been through, you should have been in pieces by now. God, help me in here. But you're not because God prepared that place. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying in here. Oh, you're not because God prepared that place. Hallelujah. If you believe it in here, give God some praise. Hallelujah! My God, I don't know if you're amazed like I'm amazed, but Jonah is in the middle of it. You don't hear me. He's in the middle of it. He's right smack in the middle of a fish. Hallelujah. He should be in pieces. Hallelujah. But he is in it and he's whole. If, oh, God, I wish I had somebody in here that can praise God and testify at the same time. Hallelujah. Everything ain't real good right now. I didn't, Listen, everything ain't happening the way I would like it to happen. I'm in a tough situation right now. I'm in it, but I'm still whole. I'm in it, but I still got it together. Some kind of way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I still have it together even though I'm still in it. Hallelujah. Because God prepared. God prepared it. Are you blessed in here, church? I got to close. Long story short, he has an epiphany inside the fish, inside the tight place. It's tight, but it's right. He has an epiphany in there, and he changes his mind. But does he? Because he gets spit out to, he gets spit out to destiny, because now he's right down track again. Watch this. It should have took three days. He got there in one day. Check it. It should have took three days, and he got there in one day. Because the minute you decide, I'm not going to let the flesh govern me anymore, and you let the spirit take over, he'll speed things up help me in here. I I say he'll speed things up. He's a redeemer of time. And he can do it. Hallelujah. Help me in here. But the Bible says in Jonah 4, this is the end of the book. In Jonah chapter 4, he says, this is wrong. This is after he goes, he preaches. God delivers a whole nation. They get a second chance. And Jonah says, this is wrong. I don't like this. And he's angry. And he tells God, I knew you were going to do this. I knew. That's why I didn't want to go. That's why I ran in the opposite direction. Because I knew if you would have sent me over there, you would have gave those people grace. And I don't think they deserve it. The crazy thing to me is you just got that same grace. You don't you don't went in the wrong direction. You don't almost kill a bunch of people because of your bad decisions. You done almost drowned. You done got swallowed up. And I showed, in spite of your disobedience, I showed you grace and mercy. And now you don't want me to give these people the same grace and mercy I just gave you. Isn't it amazing? Y'all yeah, not going to talk back to me, hallelujah, but even as believers, isn't it amazing how we want God to deal with us when we're going through certain situations, hallelujah, but then we say, God, don't be the same way to people. Let me give you the rest of that. Who hurt me? Oh, because the last part is the most important. God, deal with me, be merciful, be gracious, even though I've done messed up. But don't be that to that person because they hurt me. They don't deserve it because they hurt me. If you know anything about Nineveh, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria had hostile dealings with Israel. They used to kill Israelites. They were terrorists. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, boy. And so Jonah says, I'm not going going over there. Oh, God, have mercy in here. I want them punished, even though I am the beneficiary of God's grace. He is mad with God for showing someone else the same grace he received. He had emotional baggage that was connected to years of pain. I said he had emotional baggage. I'm trying to hurry because we're, we're, we're late. He is saved. Watch this now. This is what you got to catch. This is the man of God. He's saved. He's being used of God. He's prophesying. He's in ministry, but he's still being impacted by emotional baggage he cannot see. He is a prophet, and a prophet is a seer, but he is a seer who cannot see what's happening inside of him. Watch this. He could not see how his past pain is affecting his present life. Because damage to the heart will always affect my head. Sometimes you don't know what you haven't dealt with until what you haven't dealt with starts dealing with you. He is not the only one with pain in his past. Sometimes you don't know what you haven't dealt with until what you haven't dealt with starts dealing with you. Can I say something? I, can I just close on a, on a. Just because it doesn't hurt doesn't mean you're healed. Because Jonah could have argued and said, I'm over it. Are you really? You could still be dealing with hurt that doesn't hurt, but it's still hurting you. I said, you could still be dealing with hurt that doesn't hurt, but it's still hurting you. You're you're not feeling the actual pain of it, but it is still affecting you. And sometimes you don't know until certain situations arise. So watch this. At the end of the day, you're going to heaven, and you're a moral person. And you might be in ministry, but you are still being affected by that which has infected you. It's happening to you on the inside. And so sometimes... I would say most of the times, if not all the time, God has to renew your mind. Or God cannot renew your mind until he first heals your heart. Are you blessed in here, church? Give, give the Lord a hand clap in this place. Come on, somebody praise God in here. Hallelujah.